audio check. Now, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. We are continuing our Magellan RX series here for October Pharmacist Month, which is getting to be a lot of episodes now, so I'm not even sure if I'm going to fit them all in October, mm-hmm. but hopefully at some point this will get released. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you. Absolutely. Um, Glad to be here. Let's first, I want to get into like your day-to-day, like what it's like um, to be in your role. But before that, can you give the listeners maybe a background about who you are, just like where you went to school? Um, kind of maybe where you grew up and some ex- any experiences you had before Magellan. Yeah, sure. Um, so again, Christina Farrow. I went to Massachusetts College of Pharmacy in Boston. I did the six-year PharmD program. Uh, so I've been out of school for about five, six years now. Uh, before I came to Magellan, I actually worked for one of the retail chain pharmacies, and I was there for about six years. I started as an intern Uh, And then I transitioned on as a staff pharmacist and then eventually became a pharmacy manager. Uh, So I did that for a few years before transitioning over to Magellan, um, you know, over to the to the managed care side. Yeah. So that's an interesting switch. Right. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure like um, it's not the normal path, although it might seem like it because almost everyone that went to um, University of Rhode Island, I guess, works here. All like, you know, (laughs) most people work here went to that school. So it might seem that way. But. Um, what was that transition like in terms of, um, was it an easy one? Was it something that you were preparing for for a while? Was it a surprise? Like, tell me what that story was like in terms of the transition. Yeah, so like I said, I had been at this retail pharmacy for quite a long time. Um, and I actually enjoyed it as an intern, but once I became a pharmacist, it became a lot less clinical and a lot more business-like. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got to the point where I just felt like another number at another pharmacy, um, and I wasn't really valued by uh, my higher-ups. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for other opportunities for several months, but I couldn't really find anything that was outside of the retail space. Um, and I never had any experience on the hospital side, so I had considered it, but it wasn't really a top option for me. So I actually had a technician who used to work with me um, transition over to Magellan, and he said, you know, you have to come check this place out, put in an application, it's great, um, totally different atmosphere, great hours, mm-hmm. quality of life and quality of work is, you know, better than most what most people would Uh, get at at a retail pharmacy. So I did some research. I I looked into it, um, came for an interview. I learned more about the company and and the day-to-day. And I pretty much got an offer right away, started within two, two, three weeks, and I've never looked back. Nice. It was was the best, best move that that I could have made. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And um, uh, what is your exact role right now? Like, what is your title? So my title right now is clinical program manager. Okay. And what is it that you are like, like, what do you oversee? Like uh, in terms of, is it, are you, do you have clinical facing care with patients or are you more so managing a team of providers? What is, um, what does your role exactly do? So when I started at Magellan, I started in the call center. Mm -hmm. um, And when I was in the call center, I would interact over the phone 
pretty much with patients and provider offices and even other pharmacies every day. Um, and we would work on a number of different clinical programs. Now, in my current role as clinical program manager, I help to oversee those programs and I help in the development. Um, and that, that's a small piece of what I do. The main work that I do is I interface directly with many of our health plan clients. So I um, pretty much make sure that all of their needs are met, um, all of their questions and concerns are answered in terms of their, their performance on the programs that we run for them. Um, I help to give them guidance on new things um, coming down the pipeline, new trends in the industry. Um, and I also meet with them periodically to give program updates and um, pretty much metrics and reporting and mm. stuff like that. So I'm kind of the middleman between uh, the health plans and the work that we do for them in the call center. Okay. Yeah, I mean, when you first said, like, you know, you, you work directly with them to meet their needs, I was like, what do they need? Like, what, you know, <laughs> so, but you kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, so that's interesting. So what is your day-to-day like? Like, um, So I, I want people to see, like, okay, if they wanted to come and do this and kind of do what your role would be, I wanted them to see and understand, like, this is what you you would be doing day-to-day. So can you give them some insight as to what that um, would look like? Yeah. Um, so like I said, we have periodic meetings with these health plans. So a lot of my day-to-day is prepping for these meetings. So Um, You know, going into our internal system where the team in the call center logs all of their interventions and interactions. I'll pull down reporting. I'll review the calls that the team is having with members, making sure that everything's going smoothly, making sure that, um, you know, whatever communication that our pharmacists are having with a certain health plans members is impactful and that they're really driving results. Um, and I kind of package all of that up and summarize it for the, for the health plans. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do a lot of, um, you know, just putting out fires and fielding incoming questions from these health plans. So mm-hmm. recently, for example, um, CMS released updated uh, cut points and, and thresholds for a lot of these clinical th- uh, programs. And we saw that a lot of the thresholds skyrocketed. So some of the fires that I've been putting out lately is a lot of emails coming from plans asking what our plan is to do and um, how we're going to tweak these programs to help meet those increased goals and increased targets. So then I kind of have to take that question, set up meetings internally, meet with my team to see, you know, collectively what we can all do together and how we can enhance our, our programs to drive results. Yeah. I think one of the other interviews had we had talked about the um, the thresholds being increased. I mean, what like when you guys get that news? I mean, like what happens? Like what is it that you triggers on your guys? And like, do you have to come up with new programs? Like, what is what did, what did that actually trigger? I guess that you can safely disclose. I guess with us um, or with people listening. So it's definitely challenging because the when they release the thresholds, the the thresholds that they release correspond to the prior year. So for example, actually two, two years prior. So the thresholds that we just got about two to three weeks ago um, correspond to 2016. Mm. So there's really not much you can do um, except for evaluate where, you know, where your programs are at, at the you know current point in time and see if there's anything you can do to make sure mm. that um, you're maximizing outreach and, and your intervention. Accordingly. 
accordingly. But then it sucks because then it's like, okay, let's just say you want to do that for the next two years. But then in those next two years, that threshold could change again for what you just tried to, like, circumvent. Exactly. That's hard. Um, so that's, you know, that kind of comes down to job security for yeah. us because we are the experts in that space. So we watch those trends year over year. So we can kind of predict to a degree how they're going to change and which measures are going to change. Mm-hmm. So a lot of plans will come to us and they'll ask, you know, what what do you think is going to change for next year? Um, and what do you think we can do to help, you know, meet the four-star threshold or the five-star threshold? So we help to kind of guide them and, and give them advice mm-hmm. in that space. God, it's hard. I mean, how does one get... Like, how does one get that experience to know, like, okay, like, how are you following those trends? I guess it's a better question is, um, like, do you have specific resources that you're going to? Um, is it like the conferences that you're, that you're going to? How does one, and I'm, I'm just, the reason I'm asking is because I'm wondering if people that are not necessarily in your role, but they want to be there, or they want mm-hmm. to get caught up as to kind of what's going on and, and kind of be in the know, you know, for, for the industry, what's the best sources or what ways, what advice would you have for them to keep up with that? So the conferences are definitely huge. Um, AMCP is is one of the main ones that we always attend every year. Um, But also just following the CMS website and whatever memos, call letters um, that that they're putting out. They're kind of always giving hints and clues as to what's going to change for the following year. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're staying abreast of that and following all the CMS memos, you'll have a good idea of where those... um, star measures and, and even heat measures to an extent are, are trending. But what's the incentive to keep that private? Do you know? Like, why wouldn't they, if they know, if they, like, know it's going to change, why don't you just be like, hey, can you give us a heads up? Like, so that's publicly? a great question. Um, and that's an, another reason why a lot of plans rely on us is because um, the higher these treatment rates are for these clinical programs, obviously that corresponds to a higher star rating, um, which translates for the plans to increased quality bonus payments or, you know, increased reimbursements for the plan. Mm -hmm. So they can actually receive up to uh, $50 per member per month in reimbursements from the government. So if you have a 100,000 life plan, do the math, that's a lot of money a month for these plans. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a very high priority for them to make sure that they have high ratings on these programs. But then conversely, um, you know, if the government is paying out this money, they want to make sure that they keep their reimbursements under control as well. So it's, it's it's a balance between yeah. the two. Well, that is cool. that was <laughs> insightful. <laughs> I hope definitely to me. I'm just, I'm hoping you know some listeners got some value out of that. But that was pretty interesting. So um, let's say that you are, you know, something opened up and you're you're like, all right, you know, I'm I'm ready to move on from this current position, uh, move on to the next big thing. What qualities would you say is necessary for someone to kind of backfill you? And like, let's say you're charged with like replacing yourself. Mm-hmm. What are, what are, what necessities does that person need to have um, to be able to do your role accurately? So I would say the most important piece is communication, um, being able to speak to, um, you know, different people in different departments with um, different backgrounds. For example, I I interface daily with health plan clients with chief medical officers at you know very large health plans Um, i also interface with our data analytics team on a daily basis and our legal team on a daily basis 
also with our operations team in the call center. And I kind of have to bring all of these different people together um, and have everyone work together to get to our end goal. So communication is definitely key um, to, you know, bringing the, the results that these mm-hmm. clients look for. So, I mean, being that you, we talked about kind of keeping up with trends and kind of staying abreast as to like changes that are coming, what are your thoughts on, whether it be in the managed care space um, or just pharmacy in general, what are your thoughts on kind of the future of pharmacy, like from, from like a holistic view or um, or anything specific that you're that you're seeing that you're like really excited about in terms of what the what's coming in the future? So one thing that I've noticed over the last few years, especially in my current position, is pharmacists are really starting to become well integrated with all aspects of you know the healthcare industry. Um, we're working closer with health plans, pharma, provider offices large provider groups and and so on and you can really just see that collaboration of everyone working together to increase quality of care in in patients so I know when I was in college I really didn't have a good sense of what other options were out there besides retail pharmacy so it's really nice to see that pharmacists are kind of spreading their wings beyond just your you know neighborhood retail pharmacy on on the block or you know the hospital pharmacy and in the basement corner um, and that we're really kind of expanding and working with all of these different um, healthcare professionals to, to deliver that quality yeah. of care. And what about like anything sp- like maybe specific in technology that's kind of exciting for you that you maybe heard about or read about and like, wow, that's going to be interesting like when applied to pharmacy or um, anything that kind of comes to mind? Uh, so one thing in particular that's relative to our clinical programs here is the way that we engage members. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, I think in a retail pharmacy or even in a provider office, it's a little bit easier for those settings to engage with members because you have that face-to-face interaction. Whereas with us, it's a little bit more challenging because we really only have that telephonic intervention. So one thing that we're looking into is uh, leveraging text messaging to engage members, especially in the Medicare space, which is going to be interesting because I know when, when I think of um, my grandparents, for example, they have no idea how to use a cell phone or a smartphone. But I think mm-hmm. in the next couple of years, um, especially with the, the baby boomer generation, yeah. um, everyone has a smartphone and, and a cell phone. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how we can use that technology to engage, especially the, the older populations. Now, you're saying they don't know how to use a cell phone, but are they on Facebook? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like everyone nowadays i mean i feel like we underestimate the uh the power of some of these like websites i mean maybe it's not through mobile but i think yeah. you know the enrollment and, and um the websites itself might be heavy but um cool so that's good to hear so um so we do have students listening in but we also have pharmacists uh that are listening in as well that are out and practicing um what type of advice would you have um i know you said that you're transition here was from a friend that had mentioned to say hey like you should apply and then things just seem to work out really well for you but um and someone that's in practicing that kind of wants to break out of the current role and wants to kind of uh, move into a different industry and maybe they've heard your you know your conversation as to saying that hey that's what i want to do what kind of steps would you say would be best for them um other than networking other than like just applying to places what can they really specifically do to kind of get their foot in the door or begin to work their way into a, into a door like that? 
So I, I, my, I was going to say networking, but beyond that, I think um, something important would be to kind of find the common denominator between the position there and now and where they want to be and really expand on that. Um, I had no experience in managed care at all. To be honest, I didn't know much about it, um, but I was great at counseling and I was great at um, interfacing with members and building that relationship with them. So that's something that I carried from my retail pharmacy experience over here to Magellan into our, our call center. And that really helped me kind of build my foundation here. And then as I learned more about the programs and the CMS star ratings and the HEDIS measures and what those were and, and kind of what that means, um, that helped me transition into the role that, that I am now. So beyond networking, again, just kind of finding that common denominator and, and building and building upon yeah. that. And um, what about students? So uh, what would you say a student that is kind of, they technically don't even know where they want to go, um, but they have options to do different rotations and things like that. I mean, obviously, if they wanted to get a managed care rotation, that would be ideal if they wanted to come in this route. But any advice that you would also have to students, maybe knowing that they do not want to kind of fall into those two kind of traditional roles of pharmacy and they want to do something different, um, any advice for them? So I know when I was in school um, and we were picking our different rotations and, and internships, you could go on the website and kind of see what all the options are. So I would definitely encourage students to take the time to do that and read the different descriptions. Um, I know students are very, very busy. They have a lot on their plate, but I think that would really go a long way so that they can learn about the the options that are out there. Because if if you don't take the time to do that, then I think most people would definitely get kind of stuck in in you know the the easy way out and kind of the jobs that um, you know are right at your fingertips yeah. Yeah. without kind of digging a little bit deeper to see um, you know what managed care is, for example, and in those other positions that might be kind of hidden and, and not yeah. so obvious. I feel like I went through school like not knowing what managed care was. Like I'm pretty sure I got Same. to like the end and I was like, <laughs> the hell is managed care? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what do those people do? I, so. I same thing with me. I really did not know much about it. I was a pharmacist for two or three years before I even heard of Magellan and then I started looking into it and I was like, wow, I I totally I remember learning about star readings, maybe yeah. <laughs> one course in school. Yeah, but like, hey, this might be coming, but we don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah cool. Cool. All right. So um uh, I think there was a lot of good stuff in there, and, and I'm hoping that some people might want to reach out to you to kind of conf continue the conversation. Um, is there a best way that people can get uh, get in contact with you? Yeah, I think uh, email is probably the best. Okay. Um, I've definitely become an email fanatic, so yeah. I'm always checking email. So I would love to um, you know chat with anyone who's who's interested in managed care and provide mm -hmm. some insights. Cool. So I can definitely uh, put your email into the show notes below, um, and quick question about emails since you're an email fanatic are you <laughs> uh are you structuring like when you're reading emails are you reading emails throughout the entire day how does that work for you like in terms of managing your day kind of thing so I do have my work email on my cell phone um so I do check it throughout the day even after hours when I'm home on on the weekend we're not expected to but I'm kind of just in the habit of yeah. doing that so you know when I'm home or um, you know, at the end of the day, I'll kind of just glance at it and, and go through. Yeah. <laughs> Bad habit. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But. All right. Well, Dr. Farrell, thank you so much. Thank really you. do appreciate it. Hey, 
Hey everyone, first of all, thank you so much uh, for being a listener, for being a subscriber and taking in all the content that we're putting out. And I really want to thank the folks over at Magellan RX for making this happen, uh, both to the pharmacist that uh, we interviewed in the series and also the marketing team over at Magellan. I really do appreciate you guys for uh, really making this come to life uh, for, uh, for October Pharmacist Month. And uh, if you want to learn more about Magellan, what they're doing, visit them at MagellanRx.com. I'm going to link their uh, website information in the show notes below. And, uh, you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely make sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on any of your favorite social media platforms, uh, whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, We're on all those. And until next time, see you over the counter. Pharmacy.